Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. We're starting a new year and uh, I have been saying over and over like just a resounding gong that I have been so excited to kick off this year because I really do believe uh, with everything in me that 2018 is the year of Vertical Church. I believe it's, uh, yeah, if you're going to clap, like clap, like don't, don't half clap, okay? Like if you're going to clap or say amen, do it. Like the worst thing you can do is like, amen, you know, like go for it. Just either don't do it or go all in. So all right. Um, and so today what I want to do is I want to kick off this series called We Can Do This. Tap your neighbor and say, we can do this. Now tap the person beside of you who don't like as much as the person you tapped the first time and say, we can do this. I want to, let me, let me kind of give you the main idea for the whole, really for the whole message, uh, but specifically for today, right up front. And uh, while I do that, go ahead and if you have a Bible with you or if you're using your phone, go ahead and open up to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, but here's the main idea. Here's the, the main thought for today. Your outlook will often determine your outcome. Your outlook will often determine your outcome. What kind of outlook do you have? Are you, a, are you a kind of person that has a positive outlook? Like, do you think that the best is yet to come in your life? Are you the kind of person who is excited about the future, who's anticipating what God's going to do? Or do you have a negative output, uh, outlook? Are you the kind of person that's just, you know, the worst is going to happen and you're always a negative Nancy or a negative Ned? You know, you're, you just constantly see the worst thing. Because here's the deal. If we can't see properly, we will miss out on, on, on the things that God wants to do in our lives. And all we'll do is we'll highlight the bad parts of our life. If we have a negative outlook, if, 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 if all we see is the is the opposition, then we will highlight the difficulties and completely miss out on what God is saying. And um, if, if, if I don't like my outcome, if you right now, you say, you know what, I didn't like my outcome in 2017, perhaps in a new year, you need to get a new outlook. If you don't like your outcome, maybe you need to check your outlook. So let's jump into Numbers chapter 13. We're going to pick up around verse, uh, what is it, verse 26 <laughs> ish somewhere right there yeah verse 26 but let me give you a little context so that you know what's happening in the story so uh hundreds of years before numbers 13 there was a man named abraham who god called out of his hometown and said i want you to go to a land that i'll show you when you get there and i'm going to give it to you and your descendants and your descendants are going to outnumber the sand on the on the shore and the stars in the sky so he took off and he set, set out that way. Then he started having kids. He had a kid, and then they had a kid, and they had a couple kids, and eventually they had 12 kids. And then, and then famine struck, and they all moved to Egypt. And they left the promised land that God had, had promised their, their ancestor that he would give them, and they left that place. And eventually they fell into slavery in Egypt. And for 400-plus years, 
they are, they, are, they are slaves in Egypt, and they're crying out to God, asking God to deliver them. And eventually, finally, God does deliver them. He sends a man named Moses and, and the ten plagues and the, you know, Charlton Heston and all of that stuff. If you remember that, you know, um, that happened. And, and the Red Sea, they, they left, and the Red Sea split. And, and while they're in the wilderness, they're, they're, they're making their way from Egypt to this promised land that they're going back to that God had promised to give to Abraham and his descendants. They are led by God in the form of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Literally, they are led by the fire of God. And, and they, don't have to, they don't have to pack lunch boxes. They don't have to worry about food because God himself is causing a substance called manna to descend from the sky at night, land on the ground, and the only thing they have to worry about is that they have a bowl big enough to scoop up what they need to eat. So God is feeding them every day, and, and, and there's, a, there's a time when God doesn't, you know, he, he, he gives them enough for two days, but he's teaching them so much stuff in the wilderness, how to depend on him every day. It's just so cool. Uh, one time they actually, they complained, and God, like they said, we don't have meat, God, we want meat to eat, which is, amen, God, I want meat, Lord, Jesus, I want meat. Um, and so, so, so. So God causes quail to be driven from the sea, and it's like so deep that they get sick of eating meat, and they actually get sick because God's ticked at them. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Um, so they're on the door of the promised land, and Moses needs to get a report. He need, you, those of you who are military, you understand this. You don't just storm into the enemy territory without getting some intelligence first. You've got to know what you're up against. And so Moses is a smart military leader. So he sends 12 spies into the promised land because there are people living there. And he, he asks them all kinds of questions. He says, now, when you get there, figure out, you know, are their cities fortified or are they, they don't have walls? Are, they, are the people strong or are they weak? What's the food like? What's the vegetation like? What's the lay of the land? I really want to get a good idea before we take what's rightfully ours, is, is what Moses tells them. And, uh, and then they go into the land, 12 of them. They go into the promised land and they scout it out. And then they come back, and what we're reading today is their report on the promised land, what it looks like. And check this out, Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They actually cut some grapes. It was grape season, and they cut some grapes and brought them back to, to Moses to see they gave Moses this account, and here's their, here's their report. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, which means it's great, it's awesome, it's perfect, it's everything God said it was. Here is its fruit. But then look at this, something shifts right here, but look at this. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. But then somebody else spoke up, a guy named Caleb. Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and look what he says. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Somebody say, we can certainly do it. I love that. I love, I love Caleb. I've been on Caleb for about five years now, just, just rooting into, into who he is. And, and, and look what the response is. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from, these are giant, a giant race of people. They're all huge. They're giants. If you remember uh, Goliath, Goliath is, is part of this, this group of people who are just giants. Look what they say at the very end. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So they go into the land, the spies go into the land, and, and initially all their report is the exact same. Hey, this is a great place, Moses. This is awesome. Everything God said that this place was, it is. It's, they, they, they have this phrase. They say it's flowing with milk and honey, which means it is luscious and wonderful and great. It is the promised land. But that's where everything changes. It, it shifts right there because 10 of the 12 go negative. Ten of the twelve go negative with the report. I don't know if you know this, but the majority of people in your life have a, have a negative approach to life. That there's a tendency in our world that the majority is negative, and when you choose to believe the promise of God, you find yourself in the minority. In every situation and every promise that you'll encounter in God and in church and, and every word that Jesus says to you, there will be a majority report that says it's not possible. But there's also a minority report that says it is, that says we can do this. I've discovered in my life that it's actually easier to live in defeat than it is to pursue victory. It's easier, for our, it's, it's, it's easier to live in slavery than it is to pursue freedom. It's easier to live consigning myself to the status quo than it is to live believing that God is going to do the miraculous. And, and I've just made a decision that I want to surround myself with positive outlook people. I want to surround myself with people who speak Faith. I want to surround myself with people who see victory. I want to surround myself with people who declare hope, even in hopeless situations. I'm tired of negative people. I'm tired of the majority. I'm ready to listen to the minority report. Look what Caleb says. I love this. Oh, my gosh. Check this out again. Verse 30. Caleb silences the people. He silences them. He calms them down. He says, listen. We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do this. We can do this. He says, I know there are giants in the land, but we can do this. I know that, I know that the cities are fortified, and, and, and I know that there, there are, there are, there's this race of people that are huge, but we can do this. And, and I feel that. Like I feel that spirit of Caleb. Like, listen, I know that Hampton Roads is a transient community, but we can do this. I know that breaking 200 is something that not, or 85% of churches in America don't do, but we can do this. I know that property value is high in Hampton Roads, and I don't have a clue how we're going to afford a facility for ourselves one day, but we can do this. Tired of living in the majority. Listen, if you're going to clap, you got to like do better than that, okay? I know the problems are many, and I know the difficulties are few, but God is on our side, and the power of Jesus lives here, and we can do this. 
if we're going to do this, we have to see correctly. If we're, if we're going to be a people who say, we can do this, then we've got to have the right vision. And not like a vision statement. This isn't something that we scribe up on the wall and, and look at it, do it all. Isn't our vision statement wonderful and great? No, no, no. We've got to see correctly. This is literally about vision, and there are three areas of our life where we got to see the right way. And I'm going to give them all to you right up front, and we're just going to talk about them one at a time. Here they are. Here, here are the three areas we have to have the right vision. For ourselves, our opposition, and our God. Ourselves, our opposition, and our God. I don't know if you know this, but how you see yourself dictates your ability to walk in the promise of God. Look at this. The spies, the ten spies, when they give their report, notice this. They're not just reporting on the land. They're also giving us an insight into how they see themselves. Look at this, verse 33. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of the Nat, come from the Nephilim. And look what he says. We seemed like grasshoppers. But, 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 but what, does he, what does he say? In our own eyes. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. You see that they don't, they, they expose how they view themselves. And because they see themselves like grasshoppers in their own eyes, that determines their ability to walk into what God has promised for them. Because the ten spies, they never make it back to the promised land. They're done because of their inability to see themselves the way God sees them. Because how you see yourself will ultimately determine your ability to walk into the promise of God. So you're here today. You're here today, and you would say, Pastor Josh, I'm really believing that, that 2018 is going to be a great year for me and my family, but you don't understand. I'm so, I'm so broken in my own eyes. I'm so, I really want to pursue what God has called me to do, but I'm so far behind where I should be right now in my own eyes. I don't know how I'm going to fix this in my own eyes. And you see, the problem is, is that the way you see yourself is being determined by your own eyes. Scripture tells us that as a person thinks in his or her heart, so is he or she. And what you got to do, this is going to sound crazy, what you got to do is you got to stop talking or listening to yourself and you got to start talking to yourself. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. You got to stop listening to yourself because right now all you're saying to yourself is, I'm defeated. I'm a victim. I'm a mess. My life is a wreck. My kids are a wreck. Everything's going wrong. But, 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 but that's not how God sees you. You got to understand, you're not a grasshopper. No, you're a child of God. You're a son or a daughter of God. You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are royalty. You are empowered. God sees the path that he's made for you. You are gifted and called and equipped to do the very thing he's called you to do. Do you see it? Do you see yourself the way God sees yourself? And I want to tell some of you right here, right now, I've been waiting to tell you this for about two weeks. You are the right father for your children. Mom, you are the right mother for your kids. You are the right spouse for your relationship. You're the right employee at your job. You're the right mind to create that business in your future. You're the right future team leader here at Vertical Church. Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Or do you have a negative outlook? Because the way you see will determine the outcome you experience. So you say, how can, I change my, how can I change my outlook? How can I change the way I see myself? Well, here's what you do. You open the Bible, and you begin reading 
what God says about you because God isn't nonchalant about his opinion of you. So you start reading the Bible and then you start declaring God's word over your life. You start declaring God's word over your situation. When you feel, when you feel all that shame and guilt and the mistakes and the, and the wasted time of yesterday, you say, no, 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 no. God's word says I am forgiven. God's word says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God's word says that I am, a, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. God's word says that I am a son or a daughter, a co-heir with Christ. I'm not an orphan. I've not been abandoned. God said he would never leave me or abandon me, that he would go with me to the very ends of the earth. You have to see yourself the way God sees you. And in order to do that, you've got to open up the Bible and start walking into what God has called you to do. Number two, so we've got to see ourselves correctly, but we also have to see our opposition correctly. Look at this. Verse, uh, let's, let's look back at verse 31 and 32. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land, they said this, look, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people there are of great size. They viewed their opposition in such a great way that they actually viewed their opposition greater than they viewed their God. They had a higher opinion of their opposition than they did of the God they served. And eventually, if you read through the story, eventually it will lead the whole, t the whole camp to begin grumbling and complaining about God and wanting to go back to Egypt. If you just continue reading the story, it, it, they, it leads them away from the vision. And that group of people, they never walk into the promised land because of the way they see their opposition. Listen, we do this all the time. <laughs> Pastor Hope said it during worship. We love to talk about our problems. We love to complain and grumble about our problems, but complaining doesn't change anything. I've been married, I've been married now for 13 and a half years. I had to get that right. 13 and a half years. And every summer, every summer, no matter how much, no matter how much uh, hope mentors me, I continue to scratch my mosquito bites. Seriously, I can't help it. I'm like an addict. When If I get a mosquito bite, it's just scratch, scratch, scratch. But, and she'll say the same thing to me every year. Every time I get a mosquito bite, she says the exact same thing. Scratching's not going to help. Scratching's not going to help you in any way. And, um, but I, I still do it. I just scratch, I just scratch. You know what I think? I think some of us have faced mosquito bite challenges. It's just a mosquito bite. But, but here's the thing. You scratched it. You scratched it and you're complaining and you're grumbling and you've irritated it and now it's swollen and bleeding and you've made it bigger than it ever was to begin with. It was just a mosquito bite. Listen, friend, what's coming out of your mouth? What, what, what's the, what is the report that you're spreading? It says they spread a bad report. And I think some of us are talking ourselves out of our miracle. Like God wants to do something, but our opinion of the, of the opposition is so high. God has already given us the promise, but all we can do are talk about the giants in the land. We just talk about the difficulties in pursuing the promise. And, and here's the thing, like your mama was right. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Like mom was right. It was a mosquito bite challenge, but I scratched it and I made it bigger and I spread a bad report. We have to learn to speak faith 
when we feel fear. But the problem is, the problem is that we often have more faith in our opposition than we do the God we serve. Because it's easy to see the opposition, and it's not always easy to see God. And so I, here's, here's, why we're, here's why we're spending time praying, praying and fasting at the beginning of the year. Because we want to spend time not talking about the problem. We want to spend time talking about the God who's bigger than any problem I'm ever going to face. Some of us need to stop talking to God about our problem. And we need to turn and look at our problem and start talking about our God. Some of you need to turn to your problem, your difficulty, the giant you face, and start talking about how great your God is rather than telling God how great your problem is. That's right. Like, y'all can pick it up a little bit on this side. You need to balance out. Like, if not, I'm just going to, like, preach over here. That's what's going to happen. The point is you don't have to exaggerate your challenge. You don't have to make it bigger. And it is. Because here's the thing. Whatever we magnify gets bigger. What are you magnifying? Are you magnifying your opposition? Because here's the thing. When you don't see your opposition correctly, you don't go forward. You go backward. Check this out. Numbers chapter 14. So, so the report has come to the community, and look what the response is. Verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't, look, oh my gosh. Imagine this conversation taking place. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Y'all, I ain't interested in going backward. I don't want to go back to We were slaves in Egypt. Our wives were slaves in Egypt. Our children were offered to false gods. It seems like you can take Egypt, you can take the people out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of the people. Some of us want freedom, but we're not. Some of us want to be free. Some of us want to live free, but in order to live free, we've got to face opposition. We, got, we, we, have to, we have to fight. And here's the crazy thing. like God had already done the miraculous to get them there. He'd already parted the Red Sea. He'd already sent the plagues. He was already leading them with fire and clouds. That's incredible. He'd already caused manna to fall. Like, if God was faithful to get us here, why do we doubt him now? Just because we got a few giants in the land. Just because it got a little hard. I mean, he parted the Red Sea. Listen, this year for you, God is not, God is not interested in you surviving 2018. God doesn't want you to survive because you're an overcomer. You've been called to thrive. Your opposition will be there. Quit talking about them. Quit talking about your opposition and magnify the God who's greater than any enemy you're ever going to face in your life. And that's the third thing. That's the last thing, how we talk about or how we see our God, which is really the centerpiece of it all because how we see God is ultimately going to determine how we see ourselves and how we see our opposition. Can you imagine the climate of this of this conversation like they want to they want to they want to reject the promise of God and go back to Egypt except for two young men who stand up and boldly declare God's will over the people look what look what they say verse 6 of chapter 14 we're we're about to wrap up and be finished Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh 
who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. They're so aggravated and frustrated, they ripped their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will, de we will devour them. You think the land devours us. No, 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 no. We're about to devour the land. We're about to break through this 200 barrier so quickly and radically if we can just keep pursuing God. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. How are Joshua and Caleb able to see so clearly? I think it's because they, they knew who they were. We, we are children of God. We have been called by God to occupy the promise of God in our lives. I think they saw their opposition correctly. They knew that God will defeat, always will defeat the enemy in my life. And they saw God. They knew the power of God. They, they, they knew that the strength of their life was going to be based on who we believe God to be. Do you, do you know God or do you want to run back to Egypt? Do you, do you know God? You see, Here's, uh, we're going to put it on the screen here in just a second. Here's the purpose of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I shared this in a Facebook Live uh, video, and I want to share it to you again. Here's the purpose of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, it's the, the, words, the slide that starts with to see, I think, yeah. To see what God can do through people who are fully convinced that God can do anything. In, in a way, this is kind of what I hope our church becomes about. I want to see what God can do through people who just believe that he can do anything he chooses. Yes. And how do you get to that place? How do you get to the place where you're fully convinced that God can do anything? You spend time in his presence. You spend time with him. This is why we're doing 21 days of prayer and we're meeting Monday through Friday every night and here a Saturday morning and then we're having church on Sunday. So every day of the 21 days, we're setting aside time to say, God, we want you to saturate our lives until we become fully convinced nothing is impossible for you. If we can become a people and if we can become a church that is fully convinced that God can do anything, then we'll watch as he slays every giant that we encounter. Here's the crazy thing. When they say, when they say we're grasshoppers in our own eyes, there's giants in the land, here's the radical thing. If you, if you just continue the story and, and, go, and follow the history, they were called to be giant killers. Remember the story of David? What does David do? David takes down the giant that was taunting the people of Israel. The calling on their life is to be a giant killer, but they're so fearful of the giants that they want to run away. Which report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the report of faith or the report of fear? Are you going to believe the report of belief or of doubt, strength or weakness, encouragement, criticism? Which report are you going to believe? Here's what, I've said this over and over and over again, and you're going to get tired of it until June, because by God, we're going to do it. And I say that in his name, not like swearing. Um, <laughs> here's one of our giants, breaking 200. Do you know, nine out of 10 churches, 85% of churches in America will never break 200 in regular attendance. They'll don't do it. 
Only 15% of churches in our, in our country will ever accomplish that feat. That's a giant. That is a giant. And I'm ready to slay a giant. Amen. I'm ready in the first six months of 2018 to break through that barrier and watch God do exponentially more through our church than we've seen him do in the last six years. We've got to slay a giant. So how do we, how do, we do that? We, 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 look, what, look what this last verse, verse 24, and then we'll wrap it up. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. My God, let that be said of Vertical Church, that we have a different spirit. We have a different spirit here. We're not going to settle for status quo. We're not going to settle for average. We're not going to settle for the majority of the 85% when we believe that the minority of the 15% is what God has called us to. I'm not going to settle for some neutered form of Christianity when I know that the power of God is real and active. Amen. I'm going to chase after and pursue him until I see him. I'm not just going to speak about the darkness in Hampton Roads. I'm going to lift up a banner and a standard that says God is real. You can live for him because he's called you to and he'll empower you and equip you to do it. Amen. I'm done with the majority report. What the minority report, the, the 10 spies, oh gosh, I wish we had like another hour. The 10 spies weren't rejected by God. Here's the crazy thing. They were chosen by God to see the promise. They chose to go negative. God gave them the vision and he wanted to, them, he, he chose them to lead the people into the promise and they went the opposite direction. Which way will you go? Will you be part of the 10 or will you be like the two that had a different spirit? You might be looking at me right now and you're thinking, I saw you in 2017, Pastor. It looks like you've got a different spirit on you today. <laughs> Amen. Let it be so. I want to be a church that other people look at us and say, they, those people are kind of different. <laughs> they got a different spirit because they wholeheartedly follow God. Amen. And God does the miraculous through them. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're, we believe you're doing in our church, God. We just want this place to be, like we said yesterday, we want this place not to be a place of entertainment, but a place of encounter, a place where men and women, boys and girls of all ages can come and encounter the life-giving presence of God Almighty. Lord, we believe that you are real. We believe that you can do anything. We believe scripture when it says nothing is impossible for you. So God... Fully convince us in your presence that you can do anything and then let us see what we do when we believe that you can do anything. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we will give every ounce and drop of glory and honor and praise for everything that you're going to do in the first six months of this year. We will return it to you in praise. We will return it to you in worship because it's the battle the battle's not mine. It's yours. And you enable us to walk in the victory. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner 
to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.